0: Welcome to Deepen with Pastor Joby Martin. The Church of 1122 is a movement for all people to discover and deepen a relationship with Jesus Christ. And we're praying this message helps you deepen your relationship with Him. Now let's dive in.
1: All right, well, uh, I got to say that this whole week I've had that Chris Stapleton song stuck in my head about reading Revelation.
0: You should sing it. You can
1: sing. So. Yeah. Here, go ahead um, and read and read. Am I going to get a copyright problem for this? I awesome. should probably stop right now. Yourself. I can't. <laughs> hey, just right. uh, Anyway, uh, welcome back to the Demon Podcast. This is a new series called Testimony. And let me just tell you, amazing start to it. Revelation 12 is where we're at. And uh, Pastor Joby, you unpacked so many great things for us. And uh, let, let's start here. Just giving us the, the – remember those books like – uh, like Taxes for Dummies, like oh. those big yellow books that you could just buy to like, understand if you were just couldn't figure something out. So give us the simplified help, helper version of, of Revelation because I'd say, and we talked about it recently, but it's probably the book that people would think I'm pretty confused if I'm new to Bible study or even those who've been around a while. So uh, w- what's confusing about it and what's helpful, especially as related to our passage? <laughs> um, so...
0: The Apostle John is on the Isle of Patmos. He gets a vision or a Mm -hmm. revelation, and Mm -hmm. Jesus says, write this down. Yeah, Starts out pretty straightforward. It's a bunch of letters to churches, so that's cool. Then he gets, chapter 4, he gets caught up into the heavenlies, Mm -hmm. whatever that means. But this is a vision. And then Jesus begins to reveal pictures, visions, dreams, signs, and I think one of the keys to reading Revelation, there's a bunch. One is not what happens next. What did John see next? Mm-hmm. Because there's some like overlapping cyclical things, mm-hmm. like the bowls, the scrolls, the trumpets. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's where that's where all the nuance where people get argue about. No, this means that, and that means the mm-hmm. other thing. The I think the first century Christian – well, let me do it the other way. The modern – there's a group of modern-day Christians that want to read Revelation in one hand and uh, the newspaper in the other yes. and try to make all the correlations.
2: Yes.
0: I think the first century Christian read Revelation in one hand and the Old Testament in the other because there's nothing mm. – there's actually nothing revealed in Revelation that was not already talked about somewhere in the Old mm-hmm. Covenant. So I think that That's is really, really helpful. Good. Yeah, yeah and it's also very confusing in many places not just revelation but anytime you talk about the the eternality of god and the chronological order in which you and I live our life mm-hmm. when you talk about things like heaven and hell and the new heavens and the new earth and what happens right when you die and those kinds of things you're you're man you're you're like playing two different games using yeah. the same words and it can get very, it can get a little bit confusing yeah. so Revelation 12, where we pick up the text, there is a war in the heavenlies. We talked about it at Christmas. That's the, like, verses 1 through 6. Mm -hmm. There's a war in the heavenlies that spill over into earth. The spillover shows up at creation in in Genesis 3. It shows up um, in Bethlehem a couple thousand years ago, Mm -hmm. and it shows up in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. And... The enemy has been defeated in eternity, and yet, in our current reality, he is still active and warring against us mm. as a deceiver and an accuser. Mm-hmm.
1: The already not yet. Yeah. Th- that that phrase would apply to several things, right? Like your salvation and, and spiritual war. Yes. Yeah, Revelation... One of the things that's always helpful when you study
2: Revelation, we talked a lot about this, that it's just got to be approached with an immense amount of humility. And I believe that John, as you see, when he is first caught up in the vision, is practicing an immense amount of humility. I mean, the first thing he does is lay down Mm -hmm. before the one who is holding stars in his hands Mm -hmm. is the way that he talks about it. He doesn't try to give Jesus a high five or anything. Right. Right. And so right out of the gate in Revelation, Jesus is the point. Yes. You could even go as far as to say Jesus and his bride, the church, are the point of the book of Revelation. Mm-hmm. And everything else is pointing to this great consummation between Jesus and the his wife that he has ransomed with his blood, that we read about uh, the blood of the Lamb. And, and one of the things to keep in mind is it is Holy Spirit inspired. It is certainly a supernatural vision but John was a finite human Mm -hmm. that was caught up in this supernatural vision. Mm -hmm. He didn't have a category fully for all the things that he was seeing that was going to happen at some point in time. Like Words like helicopter didn't exist (laughs) in the first century. And so I'm not saying that the flying beasts are helicopters. I'm just saying he is trying to put his best language to things that he... On a finite level, can't fully grasp or understand. Mm -hmm. And so, that the symbols in Revelation are helpful. They all mean something, but they are that. They are symbols, nav points, if you will, that are pointing to something greater, which is always Jesus the Christ and the work that he's doing, bringing about all. All, making all things new. Mm-hmm. And it's Revelation has a mirroring effect to it. Yes. And so, like, Revelation 12, like what we studied tonight, it's a really helpful thing to go and study Revelation 5 that talks about the four elders, and it talks about the... the it gives context to the mm-hmm. use of the blood of the Lamb in Revelation 12. The context inside of Revelation is in chapter 5, uh, as to the, what the power and the effective nature of the blood is that then is on par with the testimony of the believer in regards to its powerful, power for effectiveness.
0: Yeah, there are these um, seals that are sealed up and they're saying, who has the power? And then it's the blood of the lamb that has been slain, has the power to break the seals, to break everything open. That's right. This is a little bit, uh, this is a way I think about it. If you read through the Gospels, the people that knew their Bible most, Pharisees and Sadducees, those kind of people. Um, Let's just say you got a real honest one, a humble one, like Nicodemus. And he, knowing the Scriptures really well, when Jesus showed up on the scene, he would have said, I'm putting words in his mouth, but he would be like, I didn't see it going down like this, you know? Like, post-resurrection Christians, we can look back through the empty tomb to the old covenant and be like, Mm -hmm. come on, man, Isaiah 53, Isaiah 55. How do do you not get this? He is like, dang, I didn't see it going down this way. I think we should have that kind of humility coming Mm -hmm. to the book of revelation. It may not go down exactly the way you think it is, even though Jesus is going to accomplish everything Mm -hmm. it says he's going to accomplish. It might not just be the way you thought Mm -hmm. in our finite mind.
1: It's much more the who than the how. Um, I love what you said, Pastor Joby, that it's, it's about what will happen, what is happening, and what has happened all at the same time. And the genre there of, of Revelation is apocalyptic, you know, so it's not quite poetry. It's not quite didactic. I can't remember who said this, but somebody said when you read apocalyptic literature or even prophetic in the Bible, it's like looking from a high mountain a long distance. And so you'll see the different mountain ranges, and you can't really tell how much space is in between each one. It creates a contour all as far as you can see, you know? So if you just tried to describe it and then walked the journey a little bit to your point about linear, right? Yeah. It'd be very, very different.
0: Yeah. I read a book a long time ago. I think it was called a uh, revelation of story and it, it was all right, but a part of it was in uh, like where in Patmos, like where, where John is in that area, they had these Greek plays. We've heard all about like Greek playwrights and all of that and the stages in which they would act these things out had seven windows and there would be three scenes hmm. and it's it's pretty crazy how much this matches up with mm-hmm. seven different visions over three different mm-hmm. scenes and you know many people think that it's a it's a bit of a kind of a let's just try to stay under the radar with all of the all of the language we're using to talk mm-hmm. about Rome and its persecution against Christians, yeah. and how Christians will overcome. So, it, it does help a lot to try to understand a bit of what what was actually happening when the church would have received this and read it mm-hmm. in that day. Mm-hmm. What would it have meant to them? Mm-hmm. Now, it can also mean the consummation of all things, right? Uh, but it also meant something on the ground in the first century when the church received this. Mm-hmm.
2: The seven windows with the three different scenes helps, you know, especially when you think about the what happened in eighty seventy when the second temple was destroyed, yeah. and I've I've I lean a bit towards a lot of what is you read in Revelation is discussing the the just destruction of the second temple. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think it's only limited to that. I think it could also be pointing to things happening at a different point in time in future as well. But um, you were talking tonight about, and we may get to there, but you were talking tonight about when Nero was persecuting mm-hmm. uh, the Christians. Uh, and That was like AD 63, AD 64, AD 65, and it's actually what led in part to the destruction of the, the second temple. It yeah. was, you had these kind of compounding events happening where Christians were being blamed for things either they didn't do, some would say maybe they even, they, some uh, different sects of a may have even done some of these things mm-hmm. um, to, to kind of stick it to the man in the Roman Empire, you know, and eventually the creme de la creme of even the Messianic Jews' faith, they burned that baby to the ground. Mm-hmm. Just like Jesus said they would, you know. Mm. So it's a wild time in history yeah. that we're trying to put ourselves into to get a grasp of all that John was had lived experience because he mm. lived past. Great. Right. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Right the destruction of the second temple and then so there's a lot going on there for sure man it is so rich the
0: latest any orthodox biblical historian would mark revelation as 96 Mm -hmm. the earliest is like 68 69 Mm -hmm. so when when you talk about 2000 years ago that's a pretty narrow window Mm -hmm. so this is not seven generations after the life of Jesus
1: Mm -hmm. and people are making stuff up Right. Right. right there's a great I mean you guys know about the bible project um Wonderful. They have really great videos where they've animated a summary of a book, and theirs on Revelation is really good. It's like, you know, five, probably six minutes, and you watch it and you get a, a really great overview. And one of the things that they say in there is just like, this is also, it is many things, and it's also like just the story of any empire. Like it's the story of Jesus ruling and reigning, and the story of any empire. Babylon is the story of any empire that's godless that eventually will fall. You know there's what I mean? A so, yeah. Uh, so, we talk about, and we're, we're going to get a little bit more into it, but it, it, this passage talks about Satan, describes the devil. And I would say there's a couple of extremes on the part of a Christian that they could either have zero interest in understanding the spiritual reality and the war and the enemy. Hopefully, not anybody who has heard you preach because you talk about the thief and all that, especially lately or the person who's a bit too into it, a bit too so what what do you think strikes a healthy balance of how much we should understand the enemy without getting too into you know want to focus you want to focus more on Jesus than him obviously, right? And mm-hmm. and yet you also don't want to be ignorant of his schemes.
0: Yeah, so the the, the too far focused on the enemy is when people begin to abdicate responsibility responsibility, discipline, and discipleship, and blame it on spiritual warfare. Mm. I think that that's the too far. That's good. Also, time and attention. Man, we're supposed to fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, not fix our eyes on the enemy and all the evil things that he's doing. Mm -hmm. But like we've said before, the the too far the other way is if you don't ever pay any attention to it, if you think all of your problems are circumstantial and that your enemies are flesh and blood, Mm. I mean, Paul specifically says that's not the case. Yeah. So, I think community is the answer. We've all got friends that are a little more, I don't know, tuned in to spiritual warfare and some that are a little less. It's really Mm -hmm. good to get a bunch of those folks that grew up Mm -hmm. different and different church experience, all doing life together and studying the Bible together so that we can stretch each other in whatever direction that we Mm -hmm. need a little more balance in our life. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, he's described here as the... Deceiver of the whole world, the accuser of the brothers, and then you didn't you didn't get to this, but that next verse is uh, rejoice or uh, rejoice heavens and that you could dwell in them, but woe to you on the earth because yeah. the devils come down to you in great wrath, and he knows that his time is short and so how are those different? So his deception of the world, you would think when you come to Christ. You're no longer subject, but he's got a different tactic for the one who's a believer, right? So how does he deceive the whole world? Well,
0: one of the things I try to do is give handles for our people, like mm-hmm. categories, like lenses by which you can look through mm-hmm. things. So I think there's two different categories here. Um, the One of the things that he tries to get you to doubt. So in the Garden of Eden, did he really say? He wants the believer to doubt the Word of God, the work of God, and the worth Mm -hmm. of God. He wants you to doubt, like, is that what the Bible really means? Surely you can do what you want, and that doesn't mean that anymore. Or it's not authoritative in your life. I mean, those kind of things. See the progressive church, the apostate church, the people that don't submit to the authority of the Word of God. Mm -hmm. The devil won. Another big is he wants people to question the work of God. And I mean the finished work of Christ that when he died on the cross and said mm-hmm. to Telestai, that counted for me. He wants you to doubt that. like That didn't really count for you. Your sin is too much. And he mm-hmm. wants you to doubt the worth of God. He is not worthy to be praised because of your circumstances. I see, mm-hmm. I see those three deceits. And then John talks in verse John very plainly, that we should not love the world or the things in the world because all that the world has to offer, we talk about these three lures all the time, less mm-hmm. of the flesh, less of the eyes, the pride of life. Yeah. And they are lures. They're deceitful. Because mm. if you could see to the end of the road, you wouldn't go down that road because it's only death and destruction. And so he's got to trick you down the road.
1: Hmm. When you were, you were talking about Romans 8 and several things in Romans and we, when you hear this, that he's the deceiver of the whole world, Paul says in Romans, the natural mind cannot understand the things of God. They're foolish to him. And so when we talk about sharing our story or sharing your testimony and people are like, they don't get it, they reject you, they mock, mock or whatever, they they literally can't. They're deceived, you know yeah. what I mean? Which is why you need the the work of God, right? the drawing of the Lord. So then he moves to the accuser of the brothers, and he's... uh. He's not willing to give you up to your conversion, right? He wants to make you... What is he trying to do? What, is, what does C.S. Lewis say about, hey, if we've already lost him to the enemy, let's at least try to distract him or make him busy, right? He wants to make you ineffective, right? Yeah. The accuser of the brethren, I mean, ultimately,
2: Satan is trying to claim souls or to to keep claim over souls. Right and but i don't even think the souls are the point i think he just hates god mm. and anything god wants he he's trying to do the other thing right. even when he even though he knows his time is short yep. and he is on a limited leash he is mm-hmm. so overcome with hate and mm. and anger and toward god who would not give him what he wanted mm. that to distract the church, to disrupt the church, to lead people or bait people down a road whereby they make poor decisions. And, and their poor decisions are not the point. It's that it, it's their poor decisions are defaming the name of God. Mm-hmm. And that's what he wants more than anything, is that the the glory of God not be enjoyed, not be. Mm-hmm. And so all of his efforts are directed toward a hatred of God. And anything that God loves, he also hates and so God loves people and God loves his church. Mm-hmm. And they are people who are sealed and under his love and under his protection and provision. And so he, he, he will do whatever he can to disrupt the glory of God being known and enjoyed on the earth. And so that it's not just about distracting people to make their life difficult. It's because he hates God.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And therefore he hates God's people. And he hates the work of God, and the work of re- regeneration through God's church and the preaching of the gospel. So um, that seems that sounds harsh, but that's my answer. I don't know if I'm old
0: enough or have enough experience to like get, to give warnings to the church, not just our church. I can give warnings to our church, but a part of why I spend so much time on this is there is like there is a stream of Christianity right now, mm-hmm. and and. All they do is accuse the brethren. Mm -hmm. They just point out what everybody's doing wrong. the enemy wants you to think that you're helping. That's the thing. You sit in your own self-righteousness. I mean, God help me any time and every time. Now, it's one thing to point out false teaching Mm -hmm. or to distance yourself from apostates. These these are also biblical values. Um, But to just, like... Try to make a name for yourself by accusing other brothers and sisters or churches or denominations or whatever. Like, that ain't team Jesus, man. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, if and when I've had friends that I thought said things that maybe weren't, that I disagree with, not not like I'm the Pope of evangelicalism, man, I'd pick up the phone and just call them and and would want that in my own life too which is very different. I mean they're probably the most popular podcast in Christianity a couple of years ago was just piling on with negativity about a particular pastor in church. Mm-hmm. And so first of all I don't know what's sicker that that people would do that or that it, it was the most popular one. Mm-hmm. You know? That's what I'm talking about. There's this real pharisaical, legalistic, mm. I'm right, you're wrong. This ain't the sword of the spirit. This is the frigging hammer of righteousness, and I'm right, and so I'm going to hammer you with whatever I think you're wrong in. Now, part of the reason I have a little bit of empathy for people on the other end of that is, I mean, you guys know some, but good gracious, when you say as much as I say and you preach as much, you know, you're going to say some stuff, and people are going to not like what you do yeah, and accuse you. I mean, you know, like, I'm just saying he he is an accuser. Mm. I would also think, I think it's really important. I didn't have time to get all into this, but get down like, is this the way you parent? Like are you, are, you, are you a lover and encourager of your children? or are you just an accuser of your children? You just point out everything they do wrong. Mm. Bro, the devil is winning in your house. You're parenting like the devil. If at work, you primarily, your attitude is you're an accuser of your the employees or your co-workers. I'm just telling you, man, you're working like the devil. Mm. Now, that's different than than lovingly holding somebody accountable or pointing out the error of somebody's
2: ways in yeah. love. I uh, think that's it. I think it, it is a perverted sense of accountability that drives people to... There being, it's it, you become an accuser, but you think in your mind your intent is mm-hmm. to provide accountability. Yeah. But the invitation for accountability, the framework for biblical accountability, again, not against heresy or apost- apostasy, but there's a there's a biblical framework by which accountability works yep. inside of the church. And if it's not happening and operating in that framework, then you you are not playing for for Team Jesus. Jesus be known and loved in His church. It's know? interesting. We for just sure. did
0: we just did uh, <laughs> reviews today with our core team. You know, so that's like the three guys that work directly with me. And man, if if this thing, if pride gets in that room, we can start accusing each other of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so we've willfully submitted ourselves to one another and said, hey, what are some things I need to pay attention to? And we wanted to encourage one another. Hey, man, whatever you do, don't stop doing this because, you know, that's good. Think about how free that is versus it's what you said. I'm here to protect you f- from you. Now, that's one thing if you self-admit I need help and I I, I want to invite accountability in my life. It's another thing if I try to volunteer, like Vinky. I As you're saying this, I'm just thinking about, so we know because the scripture tells us the underlying problem with the enemy was his pride. Well, don't you think the underlying motivation, if you're on the accusing side all the time, is pride because you think you know it all and you think you're better mm-hmm. and you think your way is better and you think your way is more godly.
2: It is It is very slippery slope to begin to question or stand in judgment over someone else's intention that you think they had. And, and so it's one thing if someone does something, like has a behavior, right, and you're like, hold on, man, did you realize that you, you did this or what, that behavior is a, unfitting of Christian character and godliness? Mm-hmm. It's a, they actually did a thing. It's another thing for me to preemptively strike on your Intention yeah. based on what I think you might do one day mm-hmm. Or that's a whole different thing And you're putting How prideful could you, is that For you to call into question Someone else as being prideful yeah. Based on right. a perception of their intent
1: right. Yeah, yeah. I, that oof. Which is inherently in itself prideful Right uh, I love what you said, Pastor Joby, about you, you, this was a theme that you came back to. God creates something that Satan counterfeits. And this thing we're talking about now, our words are meant to give glory to God That's right. and point to him. And his work of counterfeiting how we use our words comes out in cursing our brother or, or accusing our brother. It reminds me of James, you know, blessing and cursing come out of the same mouth, you know, salt water, fresh water. Yeah, I have a friend named
0: Renault. who's a pastor down in Orlando. We all know Renault, God, super smart guy. Mm-hmm. And we were at a pastor's thing, and he was talking about that. He was like, "Have you ever noticed? There's a couple of sins listed in those like deplorable sins. You know, there's right. It's witchcraft and adultery and murder and hate and orgies. That's all. I'm always like, golly. Mm-hmm. I mean, and then in there, it's like and gossip and slander." Gossip,
2: slander. Mm-hmm. Bro, right.
0: bro, yeah. you can actually deal with those other things in the church a lot easier. Mm. You know, yeah. murder be like, all right, you got to go to jail. Mm-hmm. Slander and gossip, mm-hmm. yeah, it's the enemy corrupting mm-hmm. what the mouth is for. And I mean, Paul tells Timothy is like gangrene, mm-hmm. like it kills parts of the
2: body. Mm. Matthew twelve, on the day of judgment, you will give an account for every. Word mm. is what it says, but doesn't say some words. Mm. Every word, and I'm, I'm all for the imputed righteousness. I'm all for. I'm with him. I got. I got nothing but filthy <clears> rags. <throat> you know, I'm, I am. But that verse, and I and and then you go you in Proverbs specifically talking about gossip. It's like for a lack of wood, the fire goes out. Yeah where there is no whisperer, quarreling ceases. Mm -hmm. I think about this over the progression of my life. Bro, in my 20s, I could run my mouth with the best of them. With the best of them. And I'm not talking about gossiping behind people's back. I'm just talking about like just talking crap. You know what I mean? Just trying to be funny or trying to say something to get a rise out of people or just arguing for stupid sake or, you know, uh, whether it's like inappropriate or not, it was just, it just could be very, you just talking, 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 talking. It's actually why this whole thing here makes me nervous because you're saying (laughs) words. But the older I get, there's a few very distinct times in my life where the Holy Spirit convicted me in a way that drew me closer to what I believe is the Father's heart. Mm -hmm. And one of those was that one day I realized there were, there was only one, maybe two times in my entire life where I regretted not saying something to someone when I should have. There are 10,000 times Mm -hmm. I regret saying words that I can never get back. That's right. James is not kidding when he says that the tongue is lit on fire from hell. Uh, Yeah. And... That's something serious that the, the church... And it goes hand in hand with Paul saying, as far as it's up to you, be at peace with all men. Mm-hmm. Make it your aim mm-hmm. to live a quiet, gentle life. That is so countercultural and so Jesus-soaked. That's right. That, I want to make it my aim that me and my wife get old together and enjoy the quiet side by side and I love your line. I want to preach the gospel. I want to love my babies and my wife, and I want to die and be forgotten. Amen. In Jesus' name. I see it, man. <laughs> Just,
1: amen. We were talking a few minutes ago about the different ways that, the different words, like the, the word testimony we were talking a lot about in this series, and there's a couple things. Um, that word testimonies is used uh for several things, including God's Word. So explain a little bit more about what you were saying. Yeah, the, uh,
0: what ends up being called the Ark of the Covenant, which is the box that holds the law of God and the mercy seat is on with the cherubim facing each other on which the propitiation is made on the hilasterium with mm-hmm. the blood of the Lamb is sprinkled over, all of that. Well, in Exodus 25, it's, I think it's 36 or 39 times in the Pentateuch, mm-hmm. it's called the Ark of the Testimony. And the law of God, the actual, the thing that God's finger wrote on the mm-hmm. tablets were called the testimony. It says this, and you shall put the mercy seat on top of the ark, and in the ark you shall put the testimony that I shall give you. So, man, I kind of just stumbled upon this at about 5 o'clock this mm-hmm. afternoon, and so I was like, oh, what do I do with this, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, I... I think a, a part of the, the modern day right now application is this. I'm, I'm afraid people hear testimony, I got a testimony, you got a testimony, everybody's got a yeah. testimony. Which real quick gets into, well, that's your truth and that's my mm-hmm. truth. And the Bible would be like, time out, man. You don't have a truth. Your firsthand account of what Jesus has done in your life must be in line with the testimony, the written word of God. Mm-hmm. And so you don't get – you have an opinion – you have an experience, but there's only one truth, and Jesus is the truth. Mm-hmm. And Jesus, and what he does in your life, will always line up with the testimony of the word of God. Mm-hmm. So you will overcome by the blood of the lamb your testimony that lines up with God's testimony, which is
2: his word. Mm-hmm. I think the posture that is most closely aligned with, that gives the one of the best pictures of God, God's heart in in and through Christianity, is the posture of walking, that we are to walk with God. Mm-hmm. And you go out on a walk with a friend, mm-hmm. and you're just taking steps side by side. I think there's something really biblically accurate about the posture of walking and walking with the Lord. I think the practice is confession.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: It, it's certainly one of, but I think it's one of the primary. I mean, you think about the, the entrance of God post-fall, he looks to Adam and says, where are you? Like he didn't know. Sure. But the point was not, hey, say words so that I can find you. Mm -hmm. The point was you need to make a confession Mm -hmm. so that
1: you know who you are and more importantly, you know who I am. It's the equivalent of coming home to your kids and be like, is there anything you want to tell me? Right. But, he but the point all. was that Adam needed up, to man. say it out loud. I mean, he put in order to realize the, the situation he was in. He
0: put the ball on the tee for Adam and said, "Bro, just swing. Come on, you got this. I'm gonna let you hit this home run mm-hmm. of, conf- of confession and repentance." And I mean, who knows how the rest of the history of mankind goes? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe it's not however many thousands of years before the, the Lamb shows up on the scene. Mm-hmm. Maybe it shows up right then. But, you know what I mean? I mean, there's a, there's the opportunity. But instead, he rejects God once again. He's like, "I don't need you. I can make my own,
1: my own covering." That's how that's how pervasive and destructive sin is. Is that who knows how long between the act and that question? But he was already willing to run and deny and hide. I mean, yeah. that's death. And 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 the longest chapter in the Bible, Psalm one nineteen, uses several words to talk about. It's it's all. It's basically this. Magnum opus to praise the Scripture, to praise the Word of God, and uses several different words: your your commandments, your precepts, your laws, and your testimonies. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what is it about a person's witness, a person's testimony, a person's story that is so powerful? I mean, he's saying we're going to overcome Satan with it. What makes it so powerful?
0: I think it's the the uniqueness of the application. Uh, so the, the testimony that we shared tonight, oh, my gosh, mm. how powerful. Mm. But also uh, how unique. This guy's a drug dealer when he's a teenager and some other, I mean, come on, man. That ain't everybody's story in here, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it's a beautiful story of the redemption of, of Jesus Christ, and nobody's too far gone, and nobody can out the grace poured out at the cross. But you know what else is just as powerful is the testimony that we heard of the little kid that got bat- baptized. Oh, he said baptized every time. I thought that sure. was really, really great. And, man, there's people that need to hear that too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it's the I think it's the, um, the gospel never changes, but the uniqueness of the application, mm-hmm. depending on the situation of the person's life, gets revealed in words that mm-hmm. connects with a whole bunch of different people.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like if the gospel's a diamond that has many, many, millions and millions of facets, then every person's experience of it is part of each of those facets, right? Because every person's unique. And you mentioned I laughed. You mentioned uh, don't compare your testimony to other people. I, It just made me laugh because I I was that kid. I grew up in the church, and you'd have some kid in the youth group, right, be like, man, I just was sex, drugs, and rock and roll, right, and just radically was saved. And I was just like, uh, I went to VBS, I guess, <laughs> you know, like— uh, I've I've said darn it a few times, and I had to really pray, like uh, you know. So, have you ever struggled with comparing your story with others, or my story had had
2: plenty on both sides, religion <laughs> and rebellion. So I had my bases pretty well covered. Uh. Uh, but I've always prayed that my children would feel. I I my prayer is my prayers that they feel like they have a very boring testimony. Mm. The interesting thing about That text, the text, uh, we'll overcome by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony is, and we talk about this all the time in different environments, it seems in that text that Jesus is putting the power of testimony in regards to its effectiveness on plane or on par with the power of the blood of the Lamb, that the effective power of at work in the world is to get the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. And he's using these things side by side. That's fascinating to me. Mm-hmm. And when I think about that, I think, well, how else is the power of the blood on the le- of the lamb on display for the world to see and believe? Mm-hmm. Well, it's through the power of testimony, the right. testimony of God's word and the testimony of the gospel through changed lives. Mm-hmm. And every single person is, is, is as unique as their fingerprint. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that is how God has chosen to make Himself known on the earth, mm-hmm. and to get His glory, which He is due, mm-hmm. is through the salvation of people. Yeah. And so it is. It's impossible. It's not a different thing mm-hmm. than the blood of the Lamb. It is the effect of blood of the Lamb at at work. I
0: think a way to think about it. Maybe this illustration will help some people. I mean, uh, Romans 1 says that the gospel is the power unto salvation. There's nothing else. So it is the power plant. Mm -hmm. But the power lines that transport the power to the application in your home has to go through these power lines. Mm -hmm. Well, the blood of the Lamb is like the power plant, and the testimony of the believer is like the lines that get the good news of the gospel to other people so that they can experience the power of the gospel. Mm -hmm. Without the power lines, so what good is it if you're producing all this power that just stays in the plant? Mm Mm-hmm. And so that's when we got it in Romans 10 and Colossians is a we is a, yeah, that verse can hit you wrong. If you don't yeah. know what it's talking about, about the, that you're helping mm-hmm. finish Christ's mm-hmm. work. And you're like, what? That's what it's saying. For sure. It's the application of the finished work of Christ.
1: I heard Dr. John Piper explain that verse once. And it was so helpful because he's, he points to, and I don't have the, the reference. He points to another phrase about maybe a, Apollos or Epaphroditus, who's, who was sick and went on a journey, he said he did all this to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Maybe it's Corinthians. Um, no, it's in, uh, I preached on it. It's in,
2: uh, it's the sweat. I'd
1: have to look at it. Okay. But the week I preached on Press On, Philippians. Uh, okay. It's Philippians. Philippians, yeah. So that same phrase, filling up what was lacking in your service to me, in, is what helps inform the one that you you talked about, right? Because he said he he was just the service was the offering and he completed what was lacking, which was delivering it to me. And so I'm when Paul says in Colossians, I'm filling up what was lacking in Christ's work, it means exactly what you said. He completed his work and the incomplete work is to bring it and deliver it.
0: And if you keep reading in if you keep reading the rest of the paragraph, that's what Paul says, but you get yes. so hung up on that. Mm-hmm. Anytime, if you see the word Jesus lacking in the same sentence, you're like, wait a minute. No. Hold on.
1: Yeah. 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 Um, how did you learn to share your testimony? I'm going to do it uh, next
0: week when we study John chapter 9. Mm-hmm. What was my life before I let, met Jesus? Mm-hmm. Describe the circumstances around it. What's life been like then? I was mm-hmm. blind, met Jesus, now
1: I see. Mm-hmm. Do you think that there's a risk... Like, sometimes we, f- I feel like w- with the sharing of the story, especially if you do it in snippet form, like if you have to make it short like often we do in our services, it can be like, hey, my life was terrible, I met Jesus, and now my life's awesome, right? Like, is there a danger in portraying that? Like, and how do you guard against it? I think the, you know, the, the
0: gospel picture that we talk about all the time, which is not so linear, but... You know, there was a time and a place where I met Jesus, and since meeting him, two things have increased dramatically in my life, that my understanding of my sinfulness and mm-hmm. depravity and my understanding of the magnificence and holiness of God have gotten mm-hmm. bigger and bigger and bigger, and the gap mm-hmm. has grown more and more and more. Right. And the only thing that can bridge that is my ever-growing understanding of the grace and love of mm-hmm. Jesus found on the gospel. Yeah. That's a more holistic way to talk about it. Mm-hmm. I think the how's my life been since then – if you're honest, you need a savior even since you got saved. Mm-hmm. And I think that should be a part of the Christian's testimony. Right. There's also, we'll talk about this next week, they keep asking the blind guy questions. He's like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And so that's also an honest part of your testimony. Yeah. Like, help explain this. Like, I don't mm-hmm. know. Why are you still struggling with the same things? You know what? I'm not sure. But here's what I am sure of.
2: Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. I think the, the, I learned how to share my testimony in a program called CWT, Christian Witness Training. Boom. We would nice. go out on visitation on Tuesday nights at our church and visit people new to the church. And part of that was that you would share the gospel with them. So I was a little kid sitting in who, who knows whos living room sharing my testimony pre-conversion. <laughs> And um and so that was very literally discipled into the kingdom, yeah. you know. And and so that's how I learned how to do it. But one of the things I've learned is that the point is not that you have a story, the point is that Jesus took over your story. Mm-hmm. And the point of sharing your testimony is that to to, to clearly point to the work of Jesus Christ, not to yourself. And that's one of the things that any good witness training will do is that the point is the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus and his kindness to open your eyes to your need and dependence and the availability of
1: his mercy and grace to you to receive and believe. So. Mm Remember those uh, bracelets with, like, the beads on them, the different colors? The
2: power bracelet, bro. Yeah. No, it was just color. Was
0: it the power bracelet? Oh, that's what we called it. The black one and the red one and the white one and the green one and the yellow one. Yeah. Yeah. Bro, it was a thing, though. Pretty creative at the time. It was cool because people were doing those, like, friendship bracelets Mm -hmm. all the time. And you come rolling back from camp with yours. Yeah.
2: And then we had the cube. I love the cube, man. Don't even get (laughs) Joey started, though. (laughs) Lord knows.
0: Unbelievable. (laughs) (laughs) The amount of gimmicks. Oh, yeah. So I used to have a giant cube. I mean, a big one. Internationally, it's not too bad. I lo- that's what I used to. It's overseas. Um, but, you know, I'm a recovering Baptist, so one of the things, speaking of the accuser, accuser of the brethren, sometimes <laughs> people will be like, why are you hating on the Southern Baptists?" I'm like, mm-hmm. have you ever heard Jeff Foxworthy tell redneck jokes? Mm-hmm. Do you think he's offending? No, man. He, you can't make fun of him unless you are one, and he says, I are one. <laughs> I, bro, I are one. I was ordained Southern right. Baptist. So of all the... Legalism, I like to pick on.
1: <clears throat>
0: the The Southern Baptists, they get the power of the testimony. No doubt. And the importance of evangelism, like mm-hmm. personal, one-on-one, share the gospel evangelism.
1: And so God bless them.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, one of the things that in any conversation about um, the authenticity or the authority or trustworthiness of the scriptures, one of the, factors, especially in the gospels, is their the fact that they were eyewitnesses. Mm-hmm. Right. And the apostles themselves say it, especially in Acts, hey, we are witnesses of these things. And um so why do you think that eyewitness account part of what they were that they were they went that they went to that so quickly what does that have to do with what we're talking about?
0: Well, because people believe all kind of stuff. You can believe all kind of crazy stuff, right. you know? And especially, I mean, you think about, uh, I mean, the, the Christians were called atheists by the Romans because they did not believe in the Roman gods. Mm-hmm. And you could, I mean, you know, it's not accounted in the scriptures anywhere, but imagine if you were in some kind of debate with one of these Roman god believers, and be like, okay, cool, so tell me, last time you saw Zeus or Thor or, mm-hmm. you know, like, have you met him? Have you... Tell me how you've experienced them, and they would talk about stories of old, and they're like, "Okay, that's neat. Let me tell you what I saw. I saw a man dead, and three days later walking around. I saw a girl dead, and come up out of the grave. I mm-hmm. saw this man calm the sea. Like, we are not talking about the same thing. We're going to talk about this. The last week of the series is like when Peter and uh, John get in trouble for healing the lame man on the way into the mm-hmm. the steps of the temple." When they try to tell them to shut up, they don't ever tell them to they don't they don't say, Hey, we believe what we believe and we have the right to believe. They just all they say is we can't stop talking about what we have seen and heard. Mm-hmm. These are very different things. Mm-hmm. Personal experience. I also think part of the validity and proof that the Bible is a historical record is the actual testimony of the apostles or the disciples. Right. I mean, they're pretty grimy. If you're making up the story, you don't consistently write your main leader after Jesus, the biggest loser in Peter. Mm -hmm. He's called the devil. He denies. I mean, you would be the hero. Name Mm -hmm. one hero movie where the guy just constantly screws up Mm -hmm. until the very end. Now, all of that stuff is just a part of his testimony, which I think also Mm -hmm. informs us that our own testimonies, like what we have seen and heard, it's not just... I was bad, I met Jesus, and boy, have I been good. Mm-hmm. It's a constant struggle before during right. and after, yes, and all of that is consistent with the Bible's testimony about the people in the Bible.
2: Mm-hmm. Paul just, says that Paul says, Hey, look, if you don't believe me, there's still hundreds of people. Mm-hmm. You should just go ask them right, yeah, right, just go ask them what they saw, right and see what they have have to say. And so it's the the historicity and the authenticity of the New Testament and the eyewitness accounts of the gospels mm-hmm. are so interconnected and yeah. they all got killed for it. Right.
0: Mm-hmm. And it's not And one, not
2: one of them was like before you kill me, hang on. I was just kidding. Right. Every one of them are like, "What do you mean?" I saw it with my own eyes. Kill me if you have to. Mm-hmm. I can't betray what I, I can't betray my own conscience, much right. less the name of God. So it's that the the it's a very compelling argument mm. as to Christ being who He says He was and the Bible being true. And it's not one
0: special and unique testimony.
2: Four different ones. that
0: hinges on you got to trust me.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I was in this cave. And an angel told me some stuff. we like, anybody else see it? No, nope, don't worry about them. Mm-hmm. And I've got a record of it. Like that all hinges on a, a single mm-hmm. crazy person that started a cult. Paul is exactly what you're saying. He's like, don't take my word for it. Talk to Matthew, talk to Peter, talk to Mark, talk to John. Mm-hmm. Hey, Amen. There's like 500 people still. You talk to all of them. This is a, mass delusion like this is impossible. Mm. These are all people attesting that they saw the same thing. Even even the people trying to kill and stop Christianity or stop the way, they're like... I mean, if you look at the Sadducees and, and the and the Pharisees, they're like, well, listen, man, I mean, the guy is walking. Yeah. You know, they're like, what are we going to do? They did heal the guy. Mm-hmm. What are we going to do? All of these people are claiming that they saw Jesus alive. And then like even josephus who's a non believing historian he accounts the same thing mm-hmm. there was this little uprising down in jerusalem and there was a leader and they thought he put him to death and then all of a sudden it exploded T-
2: tacitus same P- thing Piney the great i mean mm-hmm. none of these were followers of the way right mm-hmm.
1: so yeah have at it you made a comment pastor joby that if god if jesus has saved you you will talk about it. You will share your story. It reminds me of the thing you say, like if you've been run over by the grace train, it's obvious. And it made me think you know, that we live these lives today that are almost simulations of lives because of the social media. It's like we don't have these experiences. We have experiences of of, of other people's experiences of other people's experiences. And maybe that can be true for people in the church. Like they look at, they, they read a book or they listen to a sermon or they Their grandma's experience, you know what I mean? And it doesn't become their experience. So, what does this idea about the eyewitness testimony tell that person? Like, you know, you need to have your own witness story, your own story. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. I mean, you know, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Mm
0: -hmm. Dude, if you, we share all kinds of things, like a great movie or a great restaurant, or Mm -hmm. uh, we share our love for a great sports team. When, when the love of Christ gets on you, man, it, it's long, it, I think what happens is we get lulled into comfort and complacency, mm-hmm. and we just take our eye off of eternal life mm-hmm. and what matters. And we, it just doesn't even occur to us. Mm-hmm. But man, when you love God and you love people, then you are going to share what is most important with the people that are most important in your life. And you might not do it in in a way that feels natural to you, or you might not feel like you're good at it. You know, none of the fruitfulness is up to you, which is great. Praise God for that. Mm. Um, but that's it. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, all He wants to do for all eternity is point to Jesus. Mm. And if He
1: lives in you, He wants to work through you to do that same thing and point people to Jesus. Can you think of a story? It makes me think there's there's probably a lot of people who sit in church who've been coming a long time, but if they really were honest, they don't have their own story. And I mean, our prayer obviously would be, yeah. Holy Spirit, open their eyes to see that. Can you think of a story, a testimony of somebody that was that, that was their experience where they were there, they thought they were a Christian, they, and then finally their eyes were opened? Anything come to mind? <clears throat> I, I I know that I've experienced it.
0: I've met quite a few people that have grown up yeah, in I'm churches to, I, where the gospel is not so explicit, mm-hmm. and they just thought they were kind of like slow baked in, you know, because mm-hmm, of right. their activities and memberships and things like that. Yeah, I yeah. mean, there's a number of folks that, again, the gospel was just not so explicit.
2: Mm-hmm. The choose for yourself this day whom you will serve, mm-hmm. and that your religious activity won't save you. Yeah, there's an, there's one of the most com- compelling stories, and you were talking about the martyrs tonight, and I could just. Yeah. Deep dive into some of that stuff forever. There's a guy named Nicholas Ludwig von Zinzendorf,
1: nice,
2: and he was part of the uh, Moravian Church mm-hmm. and the Moravian missionary movement. Yep, which was one of the most significant missionary movements. And he he led a Christian community that started an all day, every day prayer chain like a the watchman mm-hmm. thing that I think went on for a hundred years, mm-hmm. Holy. if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, And his he had been around Christianity his whole life. Mm-hmm. And he goes to – I'm doing this from memory, so if I say any of these details wrong, all you accuse are the brethren. <laughs> <there>. send, <laughs> send somebody else a, a, an email. But uh, he goes to a – he goes to an art gallery or sees this painting in Dusseldorf, I believe, and it's a painting of Ecce Homo, which means "Behold the Man," and it's Jesus after he had been flogged hmm. in Pilate's Praetorium, hmm. and the text on the picture on the bottom of the picture says, "This is what I've done for you. What have you done for me?" And he's standing there. He's standing there looking at this image, and it completely changed his, what he thought up until this point was a good moral Christian Hmm. life. And this is when he really dove into raising up and making disciples and a Mm -hmm. deep commitment to prayer. So his story is one similar to that there was, he thought he was a Christian, but then there was this moment of revelation where it was like, Mm -hmm. Jesus became very real to him through this picture. And I think that happens through the preaching of the gospel and through word pictures Mm -hmm. where people who think they know the truth actually get their eyes open to the truth. He goes on to raise up all these missionaries, two of the missionaries that he sends to the West Indies, they sell themselves into slavery to reach the slaves mm-hmm. in yep. Saint Thomas and Saint Croix in their day. And as they're leaving, the story goes as they're leaving the the harbor, they raise their fists in the air and they say, "May the Lamb who was slain receive the reward of their receive the reward of his suffering." Wow, that's the last time they're ever heard of from the people who loved them most. Mm.
0: Bro, they, that's what I'm talking about. And
2: they love not their life even under sin. You're thinking mm. about my mortgage and what am I doing mm. with my
1: life? You know, that's mm. what I start thinking about. Really, I'm just like, yes. There's some so many things that were convicting. You know, when you were talking about how love, how much we love comfort, how much I love comfort, and it made me think. Have you ever heard that question, that diagnostic question of like, if God answered every prayer you prayed in the last week, what, mm-hmm. what would be different? You know, and it would it be like, hey, you. You paid that bill on time, or you got a parking space, and not that he doesn't care about it, you know. But he did
0: answer my prayer, and Nick Saban retired. So <laughs> <there>. <laughs> Go Now it's true, man. I think we just get so lulled. By the way, just a little, uh, an update. Remember last time I said, please pray for me. I got lunch with a guy. He's 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 gonna be here Sunday and go to the baptism class and get baptized in service awesome. at one of the services. Awesome. Praise, God, yeah. for Praise God for that. So it's immediately my mind then goes to like, okay, I need some, I need another one, mm-hmm. I need one more. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, we'll see this through, and I'll try to stay in this guy's life and help mm-hmm. disciple him and some things like that. But yeah, the, the thing about the thing about um, asking God to give you an opportunity to share your testimony mm-hmm. to be like one more aware and motivated. I had lunch with a bunch of staff folks today. It will completely change the way you walk into your church. Mm -hmm. Bro, if you bring your one more, all of a sudden you pray different prayers, man. Mm -hmm. You're like, Oh, sing the good song. Some of you just do. You're like, Oh, please don't let Joby mess this up for me. Right. Right. But it it totally changes. Mm -hmm. And I think you have a, I think your heart's much more in line with the heart of a father that would send his only begotten son Mm -hmm. than when you go up, go into a service thinking, I hope I get something out of this. Mm -hmm.
2: These are very different postures. Yeah, My wife one time uninvited her one more because I was preaching. or She she post-invited him. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. They They called her and were like, we're coming this weekend. And she was like so excited. And then she looked at me and was like, Wait, you're preaching, right? And I was like, Yeah, she's like, Y'all should come next weekend when Joby's back. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, You're right, true baby. love, right? You're right. Back. I don't know. It's, it's a fact. <laughs> the fact that you glad tell you... that
0: story with such like joyful laughter in your heart oh, is buddy. that's my favorite part of it. Yeah. I thought great. of
1: this I thought of this passage, and we can end on this one, but um in Matthew ten, Jesus is talking, and he says a lot of different things about persecution and I didn't come to bring peace, but it's the word. He says, so everyone who acknowledges me before men, I will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I also will deny before my Father who is in heaven. So what does that mean?
0: I think if the Spirit of God is in you, you cannot consistently deny Jesus. Mm -hmm. You cannot. The Spirit of God points everything to Jesus. Mm -hmm. So diagnostically, like I'm not a moral police, but, you know, you can be a fruit inspector, right? So if there's nothing in your life that's ever, if you're not pointing people to Jesus, you should, at I'm not saying like you got a season where you're busy or a season where you're like, you know what, I needed to be encouraged to be reminded to pray for my one more, et cetera, or whatever it is. But if there's nowhere in your life where there is not care for the lost, mm-hmm. then how does the Spirit of God live in you? Mm-hmm. John talks about this. Yeah. You see people in need, so is there any more need than eternal damnation
1: mm-hmm.
0: and you don't do anything for them? How can you say you love God? Yeah. So I, I'm saying as a sort of a Calvinistic proof of the perseverance of the saints is that if you encounter the love of Jesus, you will point people to him in the way that however God has wired you to do it. And in a few weeks, we will share – it. it It might not be share your testimony every time, but it's share an invitation. It's share a how can I be praying for you. It's sharing a a real online, Mm -hmm. you know, just say, hey, look what my preacher said, whatever. But that's got to be in there Mm -hmm. as a fruit of the Spirit of God
1: doing what the Mm -hmm. Spirit does, which is point people to Jesus. Is there a healthy kind of fear that should come from reading a verse like that?
0: I would take, like the verse you said about every word, Bro, don't try to theologize those things away. Mm-hmm. Just read them and believe them at face value.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it's the power of, of confession. It's mm-hmm. like Jesus, Romans 10. If you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth mm-hmm. that Jesus is Lord, mm-hmm. this is acknowledging Jesus. If you do that and spirit-inspired, you will also have What will follow will be the conviction of sin, a desire to know God more through his word, and a passion for the lost. That's
0: right. The rest of that, like, hey, I want beautiful feet that bring the good news.
2: Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so I I think to anyone who does not confess Jesus Christ as their Lord with their mouth Mm -hmm. is denying him. That's what that means. That's at least part of what that means. Yes. Mm -hmm. There's two categories. People who confess Jesus Christ as Lord and everybody else. People who confess Jesus Christ as Lord spend eternity with him in heaven. Everybody else spends eternity apart from him in hell. And that is the brass tacks of mm-hmm. the eternal life that Pastor Job is talking about, that people take their eye off eternal life. Mm-hmm. That is what the Bible teaches. Mm-hmm. And so acknowledging him through through... And the confession of your mouth is the out... It's the out-speaking... Of the the outward work of the inward work of grace, but it's just mm-hmm. it is connected, it's all simultaneous you know, simultaneous yeah. in a sense. So, so
0: I would want to say to our folks, um, man, we ain't trying to beat you up. And if you're convicted of this, then welcome the warm invitation of the conviction of the Holy Amen. Spirit. Amen. And Amen. so consider this an encouragement. So when the Bible uses the word, when Paul especially uses the word encouragement. Uh, spur one another on is another way of saying that. Yep. Encouragement isn't like, you're awesome for not sharing your testimony. Mm-hmm. No. Maybe you've been busy and you need to repent. Maybe the person you've been praying for, you quit. Like mm-hmm. you just quit six months ago. We'll start praying mm-hmm. again. Pray for opportunities to share your faith. Don't let fear paralyze you because you think you might say the wrong thing or mm-hmm. you're awkward. Maybe you're just an awkward person, man. I don't know. <laughs> but... but just ask god for the courage to step forward and do what he said be an overcomer mm-hmm. be be a, a conqueror through mm-hmm. the blood of the lamb the power of your testimony mm-hmm. and quit loving the comforts of your life so much and love mm-hmm. not your life even unto death mm-hmm. even if it's the death of your reputation at work or whatever
1: that is yeah. i wrote down when you talked about loving their lives not to de- love not their lives even to death Wrote down. They were completely abandoned to Mm self-preservation, and so I think this is going to be a great series. It's already convicting to me, and I love, I love that invitation. That's just it's a, it's a prayer that God wants to answer. Mm -hmm. You know, to give you an opportunity to to testify for His glory. You know, so why don't you close this, Pastor Joby, in prayer for that, as we continue in this series. Dear Father
0: in heaven, Lord, we thank you for the testimony of your word, the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. God, we thank you for the lamb that was slain. How counterintuitive that the lion of Judah would be the lamb that was slain. Mm -hmm. Lord, may we never, ever miss that. Lord, would you shake us up and wake us up um, in the areas where we've grown weary and doing good, where we've gotten confused or distracted by the comforts of this world. God, would you help us to keep a an eternal wartime mentality where we would be used as your mouthpiece to bring the gospel to a dark world. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to the podcast. (laughs) The end.